Welcome to the Stargate Archives, buried deep within Cheyenne Mountain. Welcome to the Stargate Archives and Stargate Theatre, which this week is looking at Dragon Wasps, 2012 movie starring Corin Nemec and Benjamin Easterday. This movie premiered in the USA December the 1st, 2012, in Spain September the 22nd, 2013, and Sweden February the 28th, 2015, with DVD releases April the 9th, 2013 in the US and September the 17th, 2012 in the UK. This movie was directed by Joe Nee. He's directed Court, Immortal Island, The Shed Show, PR Girl, but spends an awful lot of his time as a writer and a producer. The writers of this movie, Mark Aikins. He's been on Road Wars, Monster Island, Shark Attack, Princess of Mars. He's also a director and a cinematographer. And his co-writer, Raphael Jordan. He's written on Stonados, Jurassic Attack, Meteor Storm and Frost Giant and dabbled in acting. Corinne Nemec is a co-producer of this movie, Benjamin Easterday, as well as acting as a stunt coordinator, and the composer is Christopher Cano. Rotten critics, no critical score, measly 12% audience score, which the movie does not deserve. This I recall being a good movie, but maybe my memory's playing tricks on me, so we're going to find out, aren't we? All of us together. <laughs> okay then, folks, strap yourselves in. If you've never seen Dragon Wasp before... Go out and get yourself a copy, see if it's streaming anywhere. That will save you being spoilt, because there will be spoilers. So, here we go. Dragon Wasps. Tiberius film and AWP film credits. And we see uh, an extensive jungle canopy, as far as the eye can see. Two men. First one's a guide with a machete. They don't seem too well equipped for traipsing through the jungle. And it looks like they've found whatever they're looking for. Transgen Tech. A very rickety building, gas generators, some high-tech medical equipment, jars, beakers, syringes. The guide goes outside, his name's Jorge. He's looking into the canopy, he seems very, very nervous. Not quite sure why. The other guy, he's white, he seems to be an investigator, maybe a professor of some sort. He's taking pictures, cataloguing whatever was going on. We see Jorge look up and we hear something in the sky and before you know it a huge sodding wasp comes down, grabs Jorge and lifts him off. The other guy comes out, shouts, Jorge where are you? <laughs> then we hear the beating of wings approaching and then the buzzing. He looks up and yep another giant wasp grabs him in its, not tentacles, arms, legs, legs I guess, and zooms off into the sky carrying him off to wherever the nest is. Right, that pretty much sets up the, the movie. Bloody great big giant wasps. And I've got to say, they look good. That is very good quality CGI. We get the opening credits of the movie. I assume this is all pretty much stock footage of Jungle. Looks excellent. Beautifully lit. Bright. Colourful. But they're just running it a little too quick. I don't know why they chose to do that. If they slowed it down a bit, you'd get more impact out of it, I think. Okay then, here we are. Two young women studying the corpse of a bird. Louise, who works for the Institute of Archaeology at Belmapan in Belize, approaches them. He's got a bag. It's obviously the bag we saw the man 
was carrying before he was whipped away by one of the giant wasps. The two women, Gina Humphreys and Rhonda Gutierrez. Gina is played by Dominica Juliet, a regular in these sort of B-movies. Stonados, Andromeda, Cupid and J-Pod, to name just a few. Rhonda was played by Nicolette Noel. She's been in The Ropes and Expendables 2. Gina examines the bag, sorts through with the belongings and she identifies it as belonging to her father, Dr. Humphreys. They continue with their brief chat with Louise and they part company. I've got to give the production credit. I'm pretty sure they're not filming on some of these historical landmarks. The pyramid in the background looks quite spectacular. I've got the feeling it's green screen. Very, very good green screen though. Some of the edges look just that little bit off that makes you think they're running composites. But it still looks great. Instead with this production, it looks like whatever money they had, they've spent it wisely. Later that night, Gina and Rhonda are in their tent. They've got a SD card from the camera, still works. They're seeing the photographs that were taken inside the Transgen lab. We get uh, some background information on the Humphreys family. The fact that Gina's dad, often out in the field, really had time for the family. He was into biogenetic engineering, which ties into Transgen. And thankfully, or luckily, they've got geotagged pictures, which points to the Kayo district which is uh, out in the middle of nowhere. Of course, they're going. Naturally, they're going. And praise again. The cinematography on this scene is beautiful. It's pitch black. They're inside the tent, which is lit by flames and a few gas lights. But the picture is crisp, colourful, beautiful, warm and textured. Really, it's quality production. I've got a feeling I'm going to be saying this a lot. You may criticise the script, you may criticise the acting, but so far, yowza. This is good stuff. We get a long shot of Airbase, a couple of F-16s on the tarmac, and we see Corin Nemec and Benjamin Easterday. Corin Nemec is playing John Hammond, Jonas Quinn on Stargate SG-1, also The Stand, Supernatural, Sand Sharks, <laughs> Sand Sharks, Parker Lewis Can't Lose, and currently working on Beachwater Blues. Benjamin is playing Willie Mayers. He also appeared on SG-1 as a Jafar in Mobius Parts 1 and 2. He's been in Tricono, Jurassic City, Avalon Sharks, Cabaret of the Dead, and he's the stunt coordinator for this production. The two of them are having a discussion over the weather about rebel activity in the hills, but the big news seems to be that Corin, aka John Hammond, has got his transfer papers. He's leaving the jungle, which is rather disappointing because he likes working here. He likes the jungle. Gina and Rhonda are in their jeep heading in country. They get to a checkpoint, and the guard tells them they've got to go back. They can't keep their mouth shut, and they get arrested. And this is where they meet John and Willie. Surprisingly, or not, otherwise we wouldn't have a movie, John is actually willing to go along with Gina and her search for her father. The fact that she's got proof he was alive at least three days ago is very strong evidence. He'd been missing for three months as far as they were concerned. He was dead and buried. So off they go. Deep into the jungles, full of drug runners, terrorists, insurrectionists, and, as we know, giant wasps. So what is it that's so bad out here anyways? You don't want to know. Out here in the jungle, there's stuff you ain't going to find in the bottom of a petri dish. Out here, you're bottom of the food chain. The military truck heads further into the jungle with the squad. Gotta say, these are not crack troops of the US military. The age range is wide, to say the least. 
equipment, nothing special either. The vehicle stops, everybody's looking around, and then they come under fire. A number of gorillas, explosions, looks like they've walked right into a trap. Calling for help on the radio, and it doesn't look like they're going to get any. The firefight continues, hell for leather, until suddenly there's a lull. And we see one of the, well, I don't know what to call them really, but a single guy stands up, tall, animal skins around his neck. He looks like he's at least lost one eye at some point, and he shouts out, Beastman. John shouts back, Jaguar. So these two guys know each other. It looks like this must be his territory, and the army are trespassing. Hammond calls out that they only want to be on their way, no trouble. But Jaguar wants, as he says, he wants a truck, he wants the weapons, and he wants the women. So, oh dear. <laughs> well, they're not having any of that. Suddenly the gunfire opens up again, grenades start flying, even a few rockets. The army are making excellent use of the cover. Perhaps they don't want to damage the truck too much, so they're making use of that. A number of the, I suppose, let's call them rebels for the sake of it. They are dropping like flies as grenades go flying into the jungle. Eventually, Jaguar, well, let's call it retreat. We won't call it running away, but tactical withdrawal to the rear. <laughs> Next time, Beastman! Jaguar is played by Gildan Rowland. He's only been in four productions. This one, of course, Tragic Jungle, Poseidon Rex, and Taken Hot. Hammond looks around, asks if anybody hurt, and then calls the girls out. Yep, he might have made a mistake deciding to help these pair. He tells Gina that they're going to turn back. He can't risk his men, a one man. She points out that it's too quiet. There's no bird song, there's no animal movement. That signifies there's a big predator nearby. Myers calls his boss. Did we get through? Are we getting air support? He says, no, we're not. That's when you hear the humming. And from behind a mountain, the wasps appear. Dozens of them. Wow. <laughs> In a matter of seconds, three of his men are down. Two burn. The dragon wasps bit flame. Holy crap. Another man got carried away. One of the men got sliced across the abdomen. Yeah, this is a, a very formidable opponent. Jaguar had the right idea. Run away. With one of his men critically wounded, they decide to go to Jaguar's camp, which is closer than the main base. They see one of the bugs lying behind the truck. Gina says she doesn't know anything about it, but anybody here should be able to make the connection between genetic experimentation, especially the work her father did, and these giant wasps. They reach the end of the road. Everybody disembarks the truck. going to head off into the jungle on foot. The two girls take the body of the wasp along. Gina believes that maybe, like many insects, the smell of the dead will actually keep them away. Maybe, maybe not. I wouldn't like to uh, bet my life on it. But uh, Hammond, well, you can bring it along if you carry it. So <laughs> The girls are carrying the dead bug. Next few minutes are group trekking through the jungles. Again, fantastic cinematography, beautiful shots. It really is well above the average B-movie. And again, even the composite stuff, the green screen, looks good. Just got that little bit. I've seen $100 million movies who haven't got composite shots as good as this. And that's saying something these days. They make it to Jaguar's compound. He isn't very pleased to see him. But as Hammond says, there's something out there that both of them fear. And the body of the dragon wasp, the giant wasp, kind of swings the balance. There's still a blood debt to be paid, as Jaguar says. He lost four men in the ambush. Well, <laughs> he led it. He's kind of responsible, really. Hammond, though, you do whatever you want to me. Just help my people. And there is a bit of integrity in Jaguar. 
and he welcomes him in, into the village and starts to care for his injured man. It seems that Jaguar favours his people's traditional medicine. What's that? Bones and cocaine for the pain. Hey, Myers, we're going to leave that one out of the report, okay? In fact, leave it all out. Yeah, that's a good idea. I don't think High Commander will be very pleased with some of the decisions being made at the moment. I apologise for objectifying the actress who plays Jaguar's woman, Zula, Victoria Jeffries, but yowza. <laughs> Straight off a catwalk. Absolutely spectacular. I'm not quite sure the outfit she's wearing is what you'd find in the bleased female townsfolk, but <laughs> I suppose being a crime lord has its perks. She may be the wise woman or the, uh, I don't know, the female equivalent of Jaguar who seems to be some sort of medicine man as well, but she knows about the dragon wasps, or as they call them, the devil bugs. Gina explains a bit more about her and her father to Hammond. They're both entomologists, big interest in genetics. So while she didn't believe, or she didn't know about these giant wasps, she knew her father were up to something. Hammond isn't very happy. They've picked up some signals from the missing men at least 12 kilometers away in the deep jungle. Can't go there tonight, so they're gonna sleep over in Jaguar's village. We then cut to the jungle. There's a cave in a hillside, hundreds of wasps are flying inside, and we see that there is at least one survivor. And then we see this little wasp crawl across his head and burrow right into his ear, and he starts screaming. Ooh, nasty. It's night time, and Jaguar is a bit of a renaissance man. He's now leading the musicians, the drums are beating, he's leading the percussion. Gina and Rhonda are doing an autopsy on the wasp. Hammond goes and has a chat with them. They inform him that there's elements of the wasp which don't make any sense. The head is similar to a long extinct dragonfly, which used to be about three feet long. The carapace seems to be some type of beetle, very, very strong exoskeleton. Definitely didn't come about naturally. Again, that leads to the fact that genetic engineering is going on here. Hammond goes back to the, uh, well, the party. Zula offers rest of his squad pieces of the animal they sacrificed, give them strength, do honour to the creature, but no, definitely not. Jaguar then offers Hammond a drink, and it goads him into actually uh, accepting the drink, and whatever it was, it knocks him out. Fortunately, there's no skullduggery. He wakes up the next morning with nothing but a headache. Hammond is all groggy. First thing he does is checks his weapon. It's fully loaded, all good to go. Rhonda and Gina are with him, and he asks them why is it that the wasps aren't attacking the village. It's only not because of the rituals, and they believe it's the cocoa paste from the processing of the cocaine. That's what's acting as some sort of natural deterrent. So they can delve into the jungle, smear themselves with cocaine, and they'll be fine. <laughs> Party time. Hammond asked about drawing the wasps to this village. Is that possible? Gina says the adrenal gland of the wasps releases a pheromone, which will certainly attract other wasps. That will certainly work. They leave the hut, only to find they are surrounded by armed gunmen. We see that four of Hammond's men are badly beaten, lined up, ready for sacrifice. Myers, however, is uh, not to be seen. Zula is looking way too pleased and way too bloodthirsty for my liking, and she's carrying a knife for the sacrifice. Hammond convinces Jaguar that if anybody's going to sacrifice his men, it's got to be him. Nobody else is allowed to touch them. 
and so he gets the knife. Not quite sure what he's going to do with it, surrounded by uh, men with machine guns, but let's see, shall we? Ah, he gives the nod to Myers, who's lined up with his weapon. Hammond lunges, Myers opens up, return fire, bullets are flying everywhere. The knife flies from Hammond's hand straight into Zula's chest. God, that's a damn shame. Jaguar is screaming, bullets rip into the four hostages, all four of them are killed. Can't see any way they were getting out of there. Especially when, in the chaos of battle, their hog died pretty much. Bit of a disaster. It would have made more sense if the group of them got out of there in the middle of the night. Jaguar just was not going to deal fairly with them. Maybe that was why they drugged Hammond. He knew that without Hammond's leadership, the rest of them wouldn't do anything. But Mayers was smart enough to evade capture. So if he did it, many more could have done. And again, poor Zula. The world is a poorer place for not having her in it. <laughs> oh, nice one, Gina. She grabs one of the assault weapons, takes out one of the men that were going to fire on her and Rhonda, and they make a run for it. And they get split up. Gina rendezvous with Hammond on the other side of the village, but no sign of Rhonda. Now, fortunately, they find Jaguar's armory, full of bullets, guns, C4, all sorts of goodies. But where's Jaguar's men? There must have been 20 or 30 of them, yet nobody seems to be in this part of the village. In fact, they stock up and make it back to the outskirts of the camp unmolested. Finally, Jaguar and his men corner him. They've got Ronda. They're expecting him to throw down the weapons or the girl gets it. Hammond is having none of it. Says he's ringed the village with C4. Give up the girl or the guns, the village, the cocaine, they all go away. Meanwhile, the glands are doing their work. The scent is wafting away everywhere, maybe drawing the wasp to the village. It's just a matter of time. Hammond is probably playing for time. Surprisingly, Jaguar believes Hammond when he says he'll withdraw if they give the girl. And he does. Myers grabs Rhonda, and they make a run for it. But as he's leaving, Hammond throws the gland into the centre of the group. Jaguar catches it, looks a bit puzzled, and then we hear the wasp descend. Hundreds, maybe thousands of them, onto this village of nice juicy meat sacks and it's absolute carnage the wasp descends burnt in flame stinging slashing even a couple of cows get incinerated oh i'm so glad zula didn't live to experience this dying before this slaughter is probably <laughs> the best thing that happened to her this year and again cgi for this is excellent granted the flock of wasps as we're seeing from a distance not much detail in there but when you see the individual ones, colourful, highly detailed, beautifully composited into the live action, and the interaction with the stuntmen and the practical effects, top notch, it really is a credit to the production team. Hammond takes the opportunity to actually trigger the C4, the camp explodes, they're making a run for it, unfortunately Rhonda is lagging behind a little and one of the wasps comes down and grabs her and carries her off to its nest. They continue fleeing and after a while manage to settle down, well away from Jaguar and his men, if any of them still alive, of course. Gina is feeling guilty. Rhonda wouldn't be there if it wasn't for her. But Hammond's having none of it. Neither is Myers. They're trained for this sort of work. This and so much more. It's not your fault. That's what we're here for. We're trained for this type of crap. What? Ah, Mansquito? Mega shark? Sand shark? Any kind of shark, really. Cut it, Myers. <laughs> I like that. Although I haven't heard of Megashark. 
Holy crap, Jaguar is still alive. He actually catches up to him as they get to the rope bridge. Hammond sets it on fire. And finally work the way back down the mountain through the Belize jungle, back to the truck. Now they've got a choice. What to do now? Head to the nest, hopefully somebody's alive to rescue, or get reinforcements. And so they decide to go it alone, going to rescue their people. Gina whips out some cocoa leaves from her backpack, hands them around and starts rubbing it into her skin. Hammond's a bit confused until she reminds him that this is what's keeping the wasp away. He does point out the cocoa oil is going to be absorbed into the skin, into their bloodstream. <laughs> so, hey, party time. They may be high as a kite as they go to rescue their friends. They find the transgenic laboratory in the middle of the jungle. Gina goes inside and she does find her father's glasses. Definitely confirmation he was there. They take out fresh cocoa leaves, rub the skin with it, and we get a rather gratuitous shot of Gina's cleavage. By the time Hammond, Myers and Gina reach the outskirts of the nest, Jaguar has reached the Gentech. He's not far behind at all. Hurry up, guys. Gina warns them about the Queen, while only the females have stingers. The Queen is definitely female, and she will be dangerous. Our three intrepid heroes breach the nest, working their way inside through the cave system. They're confronted by a drone. If there was an intelligence behind it, you'd probably call it a sentry or a guard. Whatever lets them pass, the cocoa must still be doing its job. And they head further in. Can't help but feel that the guns are a waste of time. If you get to a position where you've got to start firing, it's already too late. They come across a body covered in some sort of slime. We see rapid eye movement. We've also seen earlier that the young wasps, or the small wasps, enter the brain through the ear. So maybe this guy is just currently a food source. Then Gina, well, she isn't always right. Let's put it that way. Are they still alive? Technically, yes. But I don't know if he'll ever wake up again. Well, there's nothing like being proven wrong within seconds of making a statement, is there? Holy crap! <laughs> well, I suppose she was half right. The guy, after screaming, eyes wide in terror, his whole skull bursts open and a wasp climbs out. Oh, that was nasty. Guns open fire. Yeah, it's very much dead. Nothing like blind terror from Hammond and Myers to make sure you hit the target. What the hell was that? Now we know why they wanted us alive. They're using human bodies as hosts for their young. And it gets worse, because the next body they find is Rhonda, again covered in slime and blood. Gina is convinced that she's alright though. She wakes her up. Rhonda opens her eyes, breathing heavily, terrified. And then she starts screaming, as something slowly but surely tries to force its way out of her mouth. Hammond aims his rifle, click, no bullets, and it's Gina herself who pulls her 9mm out, says sorry to her friend and puts two bullets into her. Brutal. Again though, some great special effects. Not brilliant special effects, but great, especially for the budget. I think it's safe to say at this point that not going to be any survivors. Rhonda was only taken hours ago. Same for Jaguar's men. They've already been infected. Hammond's men that were taken probably a full day, day and a half earlier, they're probably dead by now. We hear Myers from another part of the cave system shouting that he's found Gina's dad and there he is in the same condition as everybody else. Gina shakes him and he wakes up. That's ridiculous. He's been there a long time. The wasps would have fed on him, hatched the young, 
he should not exist. He should not be alive. I know he's, he's got to be alive for the for the narrative of the movie, but no, this is wrong. Got to take points off. Sorry. Gina says her father's fine. His pulse is normal. So despite evidence to the contrary, the wasp did not infect this guy, did not plant their young in his brain, in his body to feed on him. And, okay, script writers, however you explain this, it's got to be good. Very good. They reach a central cavern, a big cavern. We see hundreds of wasps flying about, and there's something very, very big in the centre, moving very slowly. I assume it's a queen. Hammond is determined to wipe him out with the C4. He has only got a few bricks left. He asks Gina, oh, she's got plenty. She's got a whole bag full. She gives him a brick. He looks at it, and then he tells her, well, this is cocaine. <laughs> To be honest, when she was taking it from the armory, I did wonder why it was a different colour. <laughs> okay, that's funny. She does have an idea, though. We've seen that the wasp have some sort of a napalm-like substance, the ones that actually shoot fire. That's flammable, that's explosive. Get all the wasps in one location and start a chain reaction. Wipe out the entire nest. Might be a bit more tricky to do than say, but something's got to happen because we're in the last ten minutes of the movie. Jaguar and his men enter the cave system. They're not very far behind at all now. Gina pulls a rabbit out of the hat. She's got one of the glands from the dead wasp, which has been protected being surrounded by cocaine. Granted, she thought it was C4, but let's go with it, shall we? Use the pheromones from the gland to draw the wasps into one location, and then trigger the explosives. With any luck, Jaguar will be there as well. As Hammond and Myers plant the C4, Gina and her father have a father-daughter time. He tells them he was taken on to do some research for Gentech. But they lied to him. They always told him that it was always going to be theoretical. He believes they also have military connections. And they will not let this be exposed. Hammond returns. He tells Myers to get Gina and her father out of there. He's going to stay behind with the rest of his men. If nothing else, he's going to die with them. They don't really pull up too much of an argument. <laughs> I suppose it's a, a reasonable request. Hammond does take the liberty of going in for a kiss with Gina though. I get the feeling that she lets him because he's going to be dead in the next couple of minutes. We haven't really had any indication of a romance between them. Hey-ho. Myers, Gina and her father head out, probably going to run into Jaguar. And Hammond stays behind, ready to blow the nest. As luck would have it, Gina hears somebody's coming towards them from the mouth of the cavern. They duck in a little outcropping as Jaguar and three of his men run past. Hammond is doing his best to stay alive. Jaguar shouts out for revenge on Zula. This is it. Jaguar risking his life to avenge the death of his woman. I thought this guy was smart. Then again, perhaps he does believe that the sacrifices have kept him safe. While others around him have died and been killed in terrible, terrible ways. He's still in one piece. Anyway, I don't think he's going to be surviving this. I'm not quite sure about Hammond, to be honest with you, but let's see, shall we? Got you now, beast man time to pay up. You kill my Zula! Jaguar is a little annoyed when he finds out Hammond has got a dead man switch. If he dies, they all die. But Hammond's there for a reason. And he's going to take them all with him. He releases the trigger. The C4 explodes. The fireball sweeps through the cavern, engulfing Hammond, Jaguar and his men. The mouth of the cave explodes. Myers and Gina and their father are safely out of the way. However he starts coughing, could be this is the twist. <laughs> all the dragon wasps are dead except the one that is going to come out of it. Oh no. No, he's alright. He's fine, he's just having a bit of a coughing fit. 
But why did he survive? Could it be the old guy? No. He's got a hearing aid. And these wasps only enter the brain through the ear. Okay. I'll give you that. <laughs> a bit corny, a bit cheesy, but okay. Okay. The downside of surviving, of course, Myers has got to write the after-action report. Granted, most of it will be classified, but exactly what he's going to put, he's not quite so sure. Hammond was a hero. He lived for the jungle. He died for the jungle. And the three of them head back towards civilization. The camera pans to another part of the jungle. Yeah, wait for it. You know what's coming. We enter the cave system. Debris, carnage everywhere. But there's one body. One body has survived. And his head rips open and a dragon wasp emerges. Zooms towards the camera in the grand old tradition of 3D cinema. Fate of Black credits. Yeah, I think we all expected that. There's always that little twist at the end of this sort of movie. Right, so that was Dragon Wasp. That was a good movie. That was a very good movie. Yes, you got to say for its type, for its genre, for its budget. But production levels, very high quality. The filming, the cinematography, top notch. CGI, very good. Acting calibre, the majority of the actors really did good. There were one or two. If you watch the movie, I don't have to name names. You'll know that the acting was weak. It could have really damaged the movie if the rest of it wasn't that good. And it was. It's hard to believe that the genre movies I've been watching, that the variety, the quality varies so alarmingly, even on similar budgets. Of course, they filmed in Belize, and it shows. The location filming, brilliant. The CGI, the compositing of the images. The dragon wasps themselves, individually, they look fantastic. When they swarmed, obviously, computer graphics. No, no ifs, no buts. That was probably the weakest special effect in the entire movie. But when you saw the wasps in detail, they looked great. This was an excellent film by Corin Nemec. As I said, he was also a co-producer. I don't know how much influence he actually had, but any influence he did obviously worked very well for him. The stunt coordination by Benjamin worked very well. You look at most of the, the actors involved, a wide variety of ages, I have to say. Whether or not they were stunt people, also doubling up as actors and extras, not quite so sure. That is normally the case. Two for one if you want. The story, nothing too complex, reasonably basic. In fact, a lot of it we don't really get told about. Who are Gentech? What was the ultimate goal of these experiments? You could have had an entire movie about the mad scientist that was actually creating these dragon wasps. But that wasn't to be. Overall, highly recommended. Right then, thank you very much for tuning in and listening to the latest episode of Stargate Theatre, part of Stargate Archives. You can find the podcast, 60 plus episodes of the archives, as well as 298 episodes of the Gatecast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbay, Amazon, Google, TuneIn, RSS manual feeds, copy and paste into your chosen podcatchers. You can find us at stargatearchives.com. Our email is stargatearchives at gmail.com. We are, of course, on Facebook and Tumblr. Do a search for Stargate Archives or the Gatecast, or just Stargate in general. You'll find us. On Twitter, which is our primary social media portal, we are at the Gatecast, which is one word. If you want to be on the podcast with me, I'd love to have you on. Just get in touch, whatever method you want. If you have a favourite Stargate live-action episode, let me know. That's what we'll discuss. If there's a sci-fi B-movie or a monster B-movie that features Stargate actors that you'd rather discuss, why not? Get in touch. We'll see what we can arrange. Okay then, keep watching Stargate. 
keep tweeting about it, spreading the word on social media. You never know, we might actually get a new Stargate series one day soon. But until then, I've been Mike. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye.